by sheer chance, police unearthed a mass of unmarked graves along Gilgo Beach on Long Island, New York. But 20 plus years on, and neither fate nor police work has delivered the murderer. As the gentle waves rolled upon the shore of New York's Fire Island in 1996, two seasonal residents made their way down the coastline near Davis Park. What stopped them right in their tracks was a grisly discovery, one that would startle the community, spook them even. It was the beginning of a very twisted and disturbing case. What they had found, wrapped in plastic bags, was a set of dismembered human legs. The toenails were painted red. Each leg had a scar on the calf approximately nine centimeters long. And on one shin, an L-shaped scar hinted at a past surgery. It would be 15 years before the police found any more of this victim. And guess what else they'd find with it? Nine other victims. Human, human remains further up the shore. The Long Island serial killer, otherwise dubbed Lisk, or the Craigslist Ripper, was preying on young women who were working in the sex trade. Those walking the streets at night, looking to make some money and completely unaware they would be selling their bodies to a crazed and dangerous killer. But the internet was on us, the digital age, and roaming the streets to find a prostitute, too risky, not even necessary anymore. Somebody might see you, a witness, get your, get your plate, make it your car, you got a mustache, maybe you got a beard, maybe you got an earring, maybe your ears look funny, too dangerous. So on the streets, there were people around, people who might see something suspicious, Picking up a woman online meant they could be specifically targeted. You could be anything you wanted to be on the other end of that computer. It didn't matter. Totally, totally anything you wanted to be. A predator could stalk the women through an online labyrinth. They were easier to lure on a one-to-one -one basis. The killer had it all planned out, and he had what he thought was a perfect hiding spot for these women along the southern shoreline of Long Island. That was until a young woman went missing in May of 2010. All right, guys. In May 2010, 22-year-old Shannon Gilbert rang her mother Mary, telling her she'd like to come and visit on Mother's Day. It was just a few days away. Mary told her daughter that she didn't want presents or gifts, she just wanted to see her. As the conversation came to a close, Shannon told her mother she had a few jobs to see to. Of course, her mother knew exactly what she meant. She knew that her daughter was a prostitute. She told her daughter that she didn't need to go, suggested that, you know, stay in that night, just don't go. But Shannon simply told her, don't worry, I'll be okay. Those are the last words Mary would hear from her daughter before she disappeared. Sparking the hunt for her body that would lead to the discovery of others just like her. Shannon was a beautiful young woman with a full round face, luscious chestnut hair, streaked with blonde wisp and a big doe eyes. As a young child, she had been passed 
between foster homes on a frequent basis of a pretty rough childhood. Growing up, she dreamed of being an actress and loved to sing, but such opportunities never came her way. Therefore, she decided to fund herself through escorting. She would advertise herself on Craigslist, an online classified advertisement website. Her designated driver, Michael Pack, referred to referred to as the bodyguard or, or driver escort, he took her between clients and his uh, black Ford Explorer. In May 2010, about 1 a.m., Pack dropped her Shannon off at the home of Joe Brewer, a millionaire living in the gated community of Oak Beach. And while she was inside the house, Shannon made a 911 call. Between her incoherent ramblings, basically she told the operator, they're trying to kill me. But as her driver had been the one to take her to the location in the middle of the night, she had no idea where she was. Joe Brewer called Pack into the building inside the house, complaining that Shannon wouldn't leave his property and she seemed distressed and crazy. Both the driver, Pack, and Brewer tried to get her out of the house and back into the car, but she took off running. Uh, later, bit later on in the morning, Gus Coletti was a midway through shaving when he heard pounding on the door. And when he answered it, he found Shannon shrieking on his doorstep, her phone in her hand. The only word Coletti could make out was help. He invited her in, eager to call the police to help. But before he had a chance to, she had dashed down the, the porch steps, frantically banging on other doors. When she seen the SUV creeping along looking for her, which was her driver, she ducked into and, and hid under Coletti's porch. Coletti approached the young Asian driver, but when Shannon saw that the pair were distracted, she made her way down the next road, continued banging on other people's doors, shouting for someone to help her. She tried another road where a woman spotted her frantically trying to find help. She called out, but Shannon didn't answer. That morning, police received two calls from Coletti and the other woman who spotted Shannon, telling them of her behavior and their concern for the young woman who tore through the neighborhood. When police arrived some 45 minutes after the two calls were made, the young woman they were told about had disappeared. With no word from Shannon since that night, she was reporting as missing as her family grew concerned for her safety. Who was trying to kill her? What spooked her so bad inside Brewer's home that she felt it necessary to flee her trusted driver? And where was she now? Several months later in December, a policeman and his dog were searching Google Beach for signs of Shannon, looking for clues that might offer her family some knowledge of her whereabouts. Sniffing in the sands, the dog discovered a set of skeletal remains wrapped in burlap. They had thought Shannon they'd found her. First suspicions was that it was the missing woman they were searching for, but it wasn't. The body then discovered in the brush was that of Melissa Bartholomew who had been reported missing less than a year earlier. Further investigation of the area by the Suffolk County Police uncovered three more bodies, none of which were Shannon. The four bodies were all found within the same area on the north side of Ocean Parkway on Gilgo Beach. Melissa Bartholomew, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Megan Waterman, 
and Amber Lynn Costello, all in their 20s, were all women who had advertised their services as escorts or prostitutes on Craigslist, and they had all been discarded in burlap sacks after being strangled. Maureen had not been seen since July 2007, Melissa disappeared in July 2009, and the other girls had been reported missing within months of each other in 2010. Megan was the youngest of the four victims found that day, just 22 years old. Days after Melissa went missing, her younger sister Amanda's phone rang, and the caller ID told her it was Melissa. When she picked up, she discovered she was on the line with a sinister-sounding man. Speaking in a low tone, he asked, Is this Melissa's little sister? After confirming that she was, the man spoke again. Do you know what your sister's doing? She's a whore, he told her. Amanda knew how Melissa made a, uh, made a living. But they had tried to trace those phone calls, and uh, every time that they did, it was always to a real crowded area, Manhattan, uh, Times Square, things like that, which, going back to the story, she knew how she made a living, it was a secret kept from everybody except her little sister, uh, Melissa had only told her mother she was a dancer, and that the money she made from this line of work was paying her bills, the caller rang and texted several more times over the coming months, always in the evening, and would only speak to Amanda, calls never lasted more than three minutes, during which time the caller would taunt the younger sister, describing in detail how he had sexually tortured Melissa before killing her. Of course, every time the police attempted to find the location of the caller, they were led to a busy, crowded place such as Times Square, which CCTV cameras couldn't even pick him up. The calls came to an abrupt stop shortly after August 2009 when a Buffalo TV station got wind of the story. Police suspected that the killer had abducted Melissa as she left her Bronx apartment on July the 12th. Unknown to them, her body had been laying beside four other girls who had all suffered a similar fate more than a year. Following the discovery of the remains, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Richard Dormer released a statement to the media. Four bodies found in the same location pretty much speaks for itself. It's more than a coincidence. We could have a serial killer. When 27-year-old Amber went missing in 2010, investigators found that she had left the evening to meet her client without taking her purse or mobile phone. During an episode of 48 Hours, an American TV show dedicated to documenting true crime stories, Amber's roommate told the show that Amber felt unusually comfortable with the man she was going to meet. She knew him well and had been promised $1,500. Uh, really, that's about six times her, her normal her average rate so seemed like the killer had been operating online inviting vulnerable women to meet him and making the prospects so tempting they could not resist the the fact that she felt comfortable enough to leave her phone and her purse would tell me that she knew this guy had met him before or he was in a position of some type of authority or that would make him more likely not someone that would hurt her like a police officer or a police commissioner or 
something of that nature. There's no way someone that's been a prostitute on Craigslist for a week at least would know they're not going to take their phone, they're not going to take their purse. That's just bullshit. Police have reason to believe the killer had not stopped at four victims. The discovery of the remains that December triggered one of the largest criminal investigations in Long Island history. So March, April the following year, four more bodies were discovered in another area off the parkway, causing police to expand the area of their search to include Nassau County border. There, police discovered remains belonging to an unidentified victim whose torso had been found in Manorville, 2000. The remains of a baby were also discovered, which baffled police until they found her mother's body 16 kilometers up the beach. Dormer believed the baby may have been taken with the mother while she worked. The body of a male was discovered a short distance from the original four victims with blunt force trauma to the head. Police suspected that the man identified as Asian possibly worked in the sex trade, but he had been uh, dead between five and ten years. The hands, forearm, and skull of 20-year-old Jessica Taylor were discovered on Gilgo Beach. Her torso had been found almost 80 kilometers away in 2003. Another set of remains were found in April, as well as a separate skull. Two weeks later, the team dug up two human teeth near to where the skull they had found previously. Both were identified as belonging to the victim of the severed legs found on Fire Island in 1996. Whoever had been murdering these victims had been operating for 15 years, and the body count was up to 10. guys let's loop back around to where this all started Shannon Gilbert so she goes to the house in Oak Beach she runs off they're going to kill me they're trying to kill me her driver Brewer Coletti 911 calls are made Shannon's on the phone with 911 and if I'm not mistaken a court has issued that that 911 call be released but I don't believe that it ever has I'm not sure why I'm not sure what's on there um, it's it's really a strange strange case but Shannon Gilbert is what kicked all this off okay so now the investigation into her missing is what had uncovered these bodies the police had no definite leads on who murdered these women Shannon's client Brewer was questioned and his house searched twice, but police found no evidence to link him to either Shannon's disappearance or the other women's murders. Now, police believe that the killer was a Caucasian male, aged between mid-20s and his mid-40s, which is such a shitty gap, <laughs> who was familiar with the South Shore and Long Island and had a good working knowledge of the area. It was suspected that he had detailed knowledge of law enforcement techniques and was possibly a former officer, or a present officer. Although Dormer quickly dismissed this theory, but one thing was certain, the killer was smart. December 6, 2011, police found Shannon's jeans, shoes, purse, and ID in a marsh off Oak Beach. 
Her body was eventually discovered on Gilgo Beach, not far from where she had made her final 911 call more than a year and a half ago. Forensic label the cause of death as undetermined, but police were certain that Shannon had not been a victim like the others they'd found. Her situation didn't fit the profile. Now, I'll tell you something. As Shannon went missing in that area, there was a, a Dr. Peter Hackett. Now, Peter Hackett had made a phone call on May the 3rd to Mary Gilbert, which actually this was days before Shannon was even pronounced missing. And he had said to Mary that he had Shannon at his home, that he run a home for wayward girls, and that she was upset. He had sedated her, but she was fine. Now, that's May the 3rd. Peter Hackett makes another phone call back to Mary Gilbert on May the 6th. Now, when Mary Gilbert tells police of these phone calls and they go to speak with Peter Hackett, he denies making these phone calls, basically says she's a nutbag. But, come to find out, when they go to phone records, it is proven that Dr. Peter Hackett made these calls to Mary Gilbert days before Shannon was technically marked as, as, as missing. So there's a couple questions with this. A, how did he get her number? And B, how did he know she was in, uh, in dire straits around that time if he hadn't had seen her, like he'd you know, backed up and told a different story that he had never seen her? But the truth of the matter is there is some ex- strange suspicions there with Dr. Peter Hackett. Now, um, back to the story here with Shannon's investigation. Shannon, uh, of course, they, they claim that her situation didn't fit the profile of the other girls. But I find this odd that every girl or man that they had found over there was a Craigslist prostitute. And Shannon just happened to be a Craigslist prostitute. And maybe she wasn't killed at the hands of that specific killer, but no doubt, no doubt about it, there is some serious coincidence going on here that Shannon is a Craigslist prostitute. Those other girls are Craigslist prostitutes, and they all end up dead in the same area. Now, Shannon had been a habitual drug user and was thought to be bipolar, and investigators suspected that she had experienced delusional, some kind of paranoia and a reaction to a drug that could have led her to believe she was being eaten alive by insects. But also, too, keep in mind that something in Brewer's home could have triggered her to have seen maybe something to where she knows that he was part of killing these other girls, maybe a group of of men, and then saying, they're going to kill me. So you never know what she could have seen inside that house that triggered Shannon realizing that maybe Brewer and uh, some other people were involved in a uh, in some nefarious acts here. The police theorized that Shannon had run from Brewer's house suffering from the delusion eventually ended up by the swamp, removing her own clothes as a way of relieving herself of the suspected parasites, which sounds stupid as shit to me. I mean, it makes more sense to me that if she's moving along in that marsh, that as her pants or jeans or shoes and socks start to get bogged down in 
muddy down that she would remove them to help her maybe to to make it through that swampy area a lot better that's an that's a possibility now while continuing to flee police believe she may have fallen and drowned in the swamp because of her inebriation but mary did not share the police's views and insisted her daughter had been murdered november 2012 mary filed a lawsuit against the suffolk county police department hoping to get more answers Dr. Michael Baden conducted an independent autopsy of Shannon's body in the hope of determining a clear cause of death. There is no evidence whatsoever that Shannon Gilbert died a natural death, Baden wrote. Also concluding there was no evidence she died from a drug overdose or by drowning. Still, her death was ruled as accidental. Mary alleged that a man named Peter Hackett, and this is what I told you before, had called her two days after her daughter went missing and told her, I run a home for wayward girls. He told her that he had taken Shannon in. Hackett denies this, but was later proved to have made those two calls. He later admitted to the calls, but denied he ever met Shannon. Detectives interviewed Hackett, but never charged him. A killer already behind bars for the murder and dismemberment of nine drug-addicted prostitutes in New York between 89 and 93 was a suspect of being the killer, Joe Rifkin, but was later ruled out. Another person of interest was Lewis Crawford, an ex-con from Westchester County. Crawford was wanted for stabbing two women to death in the 90s and was jailed between 95 and 2008. When police found him in 2012, he had a third dead victim in his bed. Police eventually took him off the radar due to lack of evidence in the Gilgo Beach case. Now, a couple of things that I find interesting in this case is that the commissioner... Burke, James Burke, was eventually found guilty for, he had beat up a, there was a, a gentleman that had broke into his cruiser and stole a bag of sex toys and different things like that, and Burke had basically went in there and beat his ass, and also Burke had kept the FBI from coming in to help investigate the, uh, the killings up there which I find that extremely suspicious that you've got Burke keeping the FBI out and of course he's eventually gone and God knows what's in that bag sex toys then you've got Peter Hackett which I had read somewhere that he was a surgeon for the police department that maybe if inmates and things like that needed surgeries or or something needed to be done that he was one of the people that had um, that had done that I'm not a I don't know that to be 100%, but I'd read that. I just find it strange that you've got all these girls in this same area. You've got Peter Hackett making the phone call to Mary Gilbert's, or to Mary Gilbert Shannon's mother before she's even really reported as missing. And then you've got Shannon's belongings and her body being basically found 30 yards behind Peter Hackett's house. Now, I'm not sure what involvement he has in all the other murders, but it's, his, his involvement with the Shannon case is very suspicious. Of course, this case is, is, is crazy all the way around. Another uh, thing that was kind of odd to me, it was reported that someone had placed four timeout dolls as grave markers where the bodies were discovered. It is suspected that this is the serial killer's way of taunting the police, basically saying that these girls were bad 
that they had to be punished for how they were acting and the lifestyle they were living. That putting them in, he put them in permanent timeout. You know, some of the uh, we had mentioned some of the suspects in this case, so I'd like to go over just a few again. Of course, the case remains unsolved, but the evidence points to a few potential suspects. Like I said, James Burke. In December 2016, Shannon's family attorney announced a connection between the murders and the disgraced cop who had previously been convicted of orchestrating a department cover-up after beating a man. Then also you've got John Bitterolf. Some similarities between the murders committed by convicted prostitute killer John Bitterolf and the Gilgo Beach Slains led him to be named a suspect in at least one of the murders in September 2017. He knew the area well growing up in Mastic Beach. And then Joseph Brewer, the gentleman that hired Shannon Gilbert. Brewer hired Shannon as an escort the evening she went missing. She fled his home and phoned 911 claiming that they were trying to kill her. Brewer was later cleared as a suspect. wrap this case up here the aftermath with the trail turning cold all police can do is wait for new evidence to come to light like I'd said previously about the dolls some of the girls graves the memorials of where their bodies once lay have been mysteriously marked by extremely lifelike but faceless timeout dolls the dolls are the size of a small child dressed in everyday clothes and resemble a tiny tot hanging their head weeping into their arms and hiding their faces in shame Nobody knew where they came from or why they were put there. A woman claimed to know the identity of the killer after she spotted the dolls on the victim's graves. She claimed that a local mechanic had such dolls in his house and that soon after the bodies were discovered, he moved away. But police have said that circumstantial evidence proves nothing. To this day, the suspected body count weighs in at 17 victims. It's possible that more lie waiting to be found, but the trail to finding the killer appears to have gone cold. The theory as to how many perpetrators the police are looking for has divided the force. Before his retirement in 2011, Dormer originally suspected that there might be multiple killers, but later revisited this theory and changed his mind, believing that the team should be focusing on capturing only one murderer. He said he believed that in regards to some of the victims being dismembered and some not, that the serial killer had evolved and changed his tactics. The Suffolk District Attorney Thomas Spoda disagreed and said that the facts have been disclosed so far do not necessarily point to a single killer and that since not all the victims have been positively identified, they could not confirm that they were all involved in the sex trade. He told the media that although the John Doe was found wearing women's clothing, this did not mean he was a prostitute. One thing that can be agreed on by the force is that the victims were all killed at a different location before their bodies were dumped. Dormer has since retired, but a fresh set of eyes are still looking at the case, waiting for more evidence to come to light. In December 2015, on the evening before the fifth anniversary of the discovery of the first four sets of remains, Suffolk County Police Department announced that the FBI had officially joined the investigation. The women's families pray every day that whoever is responsible for the murders 
are brought to justice, there is no speculation that whoever is responsible has moved away from the area or is possibly even dead now. When Hurricane Sandy hit the coast in 2012, the public waited with bated breath to see if the storm would drag up more corpses. But when it subsided, there was no more victims to be found. All that remains are the horror stories of what kind of monster trailed along the beach all that time, discarding the bodies of his victims under the darkness of night.